Welcome to Top 12 Movies, a show where we collect the top 12 movies of the year, one episode at a time. On this episode, we're counting down the best Channing Tatum flicks. Plus, we'll chat about I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore and see if it finds a place on the top 12 movies of 2017. When a listener got in touch with me and asked if I could tackle Channing Tatum movies, I was hesitant. I mean, guys, that's a lot of material to sift through, right? But this is a new podcast, and I want to make you guys feel like you have a say, too, in what top 12 list I'm going to be talking about, because this is a discussion, right? And besides, I did not have any better ideas, so this episode is dedicated not only to Channing Tatum, the heartthrob that he is, but also to the listener who emailed me saying, I would love if you did this. So this one is for you. There is actually a lot of good stuff to talk about. Because after watching this Young Stars catalog over the last few weeks, I've got something to say. He likes to hit people, and he likes to dance. And seriously, in almost every movie I watch, he punched somebody in the face. Like, classic Channing. He also likes to show up in movies for a short period of time and then duck out, which kept some movies off the list altogether. But I really did go through this man's catalog because for your sake, I really want to give it a fair shake. So here are the top 12 Channing Tatum movies. Number 12. Coming in at number 12 is not a great movie. It is the Coen Brothers' Hail Caesar. And Channing Tatum doesn't really have a lot of time in this film. But... With that said, I did watch it for this podcast, and there were a couple of things that this movie did pretty well. There was actually a couple of scenes I really loved, and the scene I love the most in the film is Channing Tatum's musical number scene. And I'm not going to go into great detail about what what Hail Caesar is all about, but um, Channing Tatum plays a movie star who dances and sings and it takes place in the 50s during the McCarthy era of Hollywood and communism is bad and there's a real big part that while Channing Tatum isn't huge in the film his character propels a big part of the story so I feel like it can nail this list at number 12 it's not a great film but uh, Channing Tatum is, I think, the best part in Hail Caesar. We are heading out to sea, and however it'll be, it ain't gonna be the same. So if you are <laughs> wondering if you're gonna go watch Hail Caesar and get a great, great film out of it, uh, the Coen brothers kind of missed on this one. It's about old Hollywood. It's paying homage to all of those old Hollywood stars. Uh, it's got a great cast. Josh Brolin, George Clooney, Scarlett Johansson has a little thing. So does Jonah Hill. Uh, there's a lot of bit players that kind of come through here. And there's a, a great scene with Ray Fiennes and an at, the actor who's going to play Han Solo. But I don't know his name. It's like Albrecht Anrak or something like that. I can't 
I, I'm just going off the top of my head here. I'm just spitfiring for you. So I don't quite have it right locked in. I'm sure after Han Solo's solo movie comes out, um, Han Solo's solo movie, that's kind of funny. Uh, after that comes out, I will always have it in my head, but I don't have it right this second. He actually plays this like cowboy character, really funny. But Channing Tatum is the best part of the Hail Caesar. That's the only reason it's on this list because uh, I do have more to say about the other films. So let's go on. Number 11. This is another movie that he plays a bit part, but the part he plays is really important to the overall story. So I think it fits. And that's Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight is about a bunch of guys in a cabin. Um, they're trying to take a woman to prison. Uh, you know, but everybody gets snowed in. Oh, that's real nice. What is that? That's French. You speak French? Oui. Oui, what does that mean? It means yes. Kind of pops out out of nowhere if you haven't seen the film. Um, but what he when he does pop out, he's very charming. And he actually really propels the storyline. So um, where we could have ground to a, a, a standstill... Because of his character in the film, the film can keep going. Uh, the Hateful Eight overall is, it's not bad. It's a Tarantino film. And at this stage, I feel like when I walk into a Tarantino film, I know pretty much what I'm going to expect. And I got that with this film. Um, it was nice being able to go and revisit it because the first time I saw it, it was like, eh, I don't know about this movie. Like, this isn't even Django territory. But I think... On the second viewing, it was actually, it was really beneficial because um, I got to see how great like Kurt Russell and Samuel Jackson are in this film that I kind of missed last time. And I really like Samuel Jackson's character this time around. Um, so if you haven't seen The Hateful Eight, it's, it's worth a watch. It's not going to be like mind blowing. And I think one watch is kind of enough, but I'm glad I went back for this uh, to tell you that Channing Tatum um, in this movie does push the storyline forward and that's why the hateful eight even though it's a small role is number 11 on this list number 10 this movie was so controversial to me while watching it i didn't even know if i could put it on the list the movie is dear john i did not like the love story in this movie as a matter of fact the love story in this movie is batshit crazy i there is nothing going on between tatum and seafried Amanda Seyfried plays the love interest, quote unquote love interest. And I just, I can't, ah, I can't get on board with this. I can't tell you that it's a great love story. Why is this movie on the list? Why don't we talk about the relationship with, between Channing Tatum and his father played by Richard Jenkins who has autism? Why? Why was this missing from the marketing? Why aren't people talking about this amazing performance by Richard Jenkins and Channing Tatum where it actually like, it, it's, in, it's an amazing story that really affected me, guys. Basically, John, played by Channing Tatum, grew up with a father all by himself. The mother is not in the picture, so he is raising his son, but he has autism. And John doesn't really know that. John just figures his dad is quirky. Amanda Seyfried's only good part in the film is to tell John this is a thing. Really, like, that's her whole deal. <laughs> is to say, John, you're, no, your dad has autism. And then, like, John flips out. He punches people because that's what Channing Tatum does. 
But then you get to really, really understand a little bit more about his father and his relationship with his father and why he went into the army in the beginning and why he's like the fact that they kept this story away pisses me off. Jenkins is incredible. Listen to this. Oh, did you? Should I turn around? Do you uh, want me to try? You stop the car, please. Stop the car. Forget something. Okay. No, I just—I I need to get out of the car. Please. Well, all right. Just, just relax, okay? Yeah. I don't think I can do this. Uh, Look, you're fine. Look, no, I, you're, I, you're I, fine. I just, please. I need to get out, please. Okay. You're okay, Bob. It's fine. Please stop the car. Please. Okay. No, I'll turn around. Out. It's out. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> you gotta get out. Okay. No, stop the car. All right. So while I disagree entirely with this love story, Dear John makes it at number 10 for the heartwarming father-son story that gets buried in every single piece of marketing and people aren't talking about. It's an amazing performance by Jenkins. Number nine. This is just a balls-to-the-wall fun action movie. I actually liked White House Down more than Olympus Had Fallen. I know Olympus Has Fallen got the got the sequel, but I really liked living with Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx in White House Down. I thought it was a lot of fun. I th it really felt like a throwback to those 80s movies. There's not a lot of real character development. You know, uh, Channing Tatum plays this guy who wants to go into the Secret Service and he's applying for a job. Stuff goes down and Channing Tatum's the only one to stop it. Just like John McClane in Die Hard. Like, if you can think of Die Hard in the White House, that is like the best description for White House Down. Uh, and Channing Tatum kicks ass in this film. He's like a lot of fun. You care about him. You want him to make it out. He's every bit the leading man action hero that Gerard Butler is in London Has Fallen, I think. Uh, sorry, Olympus Has Fallen. But a lot of people prefer Gerard Butler's. Uh, I, I lean towards White House Down. I watched them both at the same time, and that may have been a problem. Maybe I watched White House Down first. And realize, oh, these are kind of like very similar similar movies. And that's why I lean that way. But uh, White House Dan's just a fun movie. And it's uh, number nine. The library. We're on our way. We'll be waiting for you. Uh, that's a library. Uh, don't go in there. Just... Duh, this is so stupid. Number eight. Number eight is a guilty pleasure film for me. And that is She's the Man. She's the Man is an Amanda Bynes vehicle, but the love interest is basically played by Channing Tatum. They are uh, two people in a prep school, and Amanda Bynes is trying to pass herself off as her brother Sebastian. Um, play So she plays a dude in it, which is... It's fun. And I honestly, Channing, this is the first time I, I kind of got a glimpse of like, oh, Channing Tatum can be kind of funny. Like, there are moments in this film where he's... He's kind of funny. If the chemistry's right, things will just start flowing. Hmm. Uh, uh, questions about what? Anything. Ask me if I like cheese. Um, okay. Do you like cheese? Well, why, yes, I do. My favorite's Gouda. Oh, <laughs> I like Gouda, too? See? See what? We're flowing. We're talking about... Cheese. So what? Flow is flow. And it was rewatching this movie that I realized when he is in a lead role, it has to be special. Like there needs to be something special for him to do that fits with what he is capable of. But if you can pair him with someone comedic, he shines just as bright. And 
you know, all kidding about Amanda Bynes and her crazy aside, she's wonderful to watch in this film. She's very funny. Um, <laughs> she's really weird trying to play like a girl trying to play a guy, which I, for a guy is really fun to watch. Uh, you know, so many times we get to see the the uh, guy trying to act like a girl. It's really fun seeing the girl trying to act like a guy. I can really only think of Shakespeare in Love, um, that 80s movie where this girl was trying to get on a football team. Can't even remember what it was called. And She's the Man. These are like my three go-to um, movies. So if you think of any more, let me know. But I really like Channing Tatum in She's the Man. I think uh, he brings a lot to the table. He's very funny um, and a great leading man who's just – he's not a douchebag in this film, which – um, he could have easily been uh, playing that role in a team movie like this because so often the big jock hulking guy does get cast that way. Uh, and I, I thought it was refreshing to see him like pretty awesome in She's the Man. Uh, but it is a guilty pleasure movie of mine. I know a lot of people cannot stand this film. I've gone back to it a number of times. It was a pleasure to go back to, and it is number eight on the list. Number, number seven. This is where I get objective because I don't think Haywire is a particularly fantastic action movie. Um, it's a Steven Soderbergh film about a rogue spy story. So there's a lot of action. And there is a lot of intrigue, but Soderbergh always gets a, a big net when he casts people. So he's got a massive cast of really big stars like Michael Douglas and Ewan McGregor and Channing Tatum is in this and Michael Fassbender. And it all ties around our main character, who's actually played by Gina Carano, who is, uh, I think she got famous from WWE, but I never watched it. My first time I saw her in anything, I think was Fast Six, Fast, Fast and Furious Six. She played like the bad girl. Um, and she stars in this film, which is a lot of fun to watch uh, this badass, really smart spy. One of the best action sequences comes from Channing Tatum's character at the beginning of the film while they're sitting in a booth and they're just having a conversation and it breaks out into a brawl and it's very surprising um, and it's great watching Carano like kick the crap out of Channing Tatum. <laughs> like it's great to watch. Here's what Tatum had to say about Gina Carano being that kick-ass female character. To get to meet someone as sort of magical as she is and, and someone that's breaking barriers and, you know, for her to be the first female sanctioned cage fighter like that won the fight. Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of crazy. It's really, really crazy. Yeah, with a lot of guys, it might there might be something embarrassing about getting your ass beat by a girl, yeah. but uh, with Gina, there's no shame. Nope, I'm actually, it's, it's a notch on my belt, apparently. <laughs> like, you know, all my guy friends are like, God, man, I wish I got my ass kicked by her. And I'm like, nope, it's mine. I did that. <laughs> I, I loved every second of that. But as you learn more about Channing Tatum's character, you realize, oh, like, there's actually a story here that goes a little further into Gina Carano's past that we, we didn't get by just that and you know i think it's a really cool story i think it's be the best story in the film even though there's a lot of side characters and 
plots going on, like uh, Antonio Banderas is doing some dealings with uh, Ewan McGregor's character and Ewan McGregor's characters. Like, it, there's a lot of weird things going on in this film. But I gotta say, like, I, I, I think Channing Tatum and Gina Carano's story is the best. I also have to tell you, they dubbed over Gina Carano's voice. I don't know how bad it was originally, but it is very noticeable. It's it's an interesting, stylish thriller that sometimes fails in shooting action with actors who don't know how to do action. Like the there's a fight between Gina Carano and Ewan McGregor at one point, and there I think I counted like something like 27 cuts inside of a minute. It was crazy. It just looks so unnatural. But then you you kind of get some Ocean's Eleven feel in it too, because you got that Soderbergh feel. So uh, it turns out Channing Tatum has worked with Soderbergh in a number of different things over the years, um, which I, which I came to figure out as I was doing this list, uh, which we will get to another one. Number six. Number six is a movie that fell onto my radar, and I really fell in love with the song. So. I bought the movie and then I've, I revisited this movie like six or seven times and a lot of people either didn't see it, thought it was something else, um, and didn't like it, but I really liked it. So I'm going to tell you what 10 years is all about. 10 years is about a high school reunion and it is marketed as a silly comedy. It is not that. The best I, the best way I can describe it is it is a drama with lighthearted moments, but it's really surrounding a group of friends going back to a high school reunion where they learn more about what happened to them now. One of them became famous. Channing Tatum actually brings his now wife, Jenna Dewan Tatum, as his date to this thing. Like they've been dating for a while and he's kind of showing her off. But at the same time, she's she's kind of just supporting him as he can be with his friends. That's right. You know, they're a very cool couple in it. And. Um, there's a love story of the high school romance of Chain and Tatum played by Rosario Dawson. And she like Jenna Dewan Tatum's character plays it off really cool, knowing full well, like, you know what? I get it. You guys have passed. You got to get over that. I, I get it. I like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You left me out there for like, I don't even know how long. All by myself. I've been in here two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes is too long. Stop. But. Cully did ask if I could go out to the car with him and Dre. That's what this is about. Go ahead. I can go? Yeah. You wanna come? No. I'm gonna hang out with Sam. No, just But you can't have more than two puffs because you're a lightweight, remember? Oh, is that what I am? No. Really? Yes, don't you remember? <laughs> I think that part really resonates with me. And then there's this amazing scene where a the famous guy sings his song and I love that scene. You're going to love that scene. There's no, there's no way, even if you hate the rest of this movie, there's no way you're going to dislike that freaking moment in the film. There's, if you do tell me and I will publicly apologize, <laughs> but I don't think you will. I think you'll find it endearing as all hell. Number five. In my little introduction to this Channing Tatum segment, I specifically said he dances, and I think he is rad. I love that Channing Tatum loves to dance so much, and we saw it for the first time in a little film called Step Up. All rise. Tyler Gage, I see you've been in this courtroom before. I'm giving you 200 hours community service. Here you go. 
Um, hello, who is that? Hey. Love a man in a uniform. <laughs> Damn, they look like the girls from the candy shop video. And they don't dance like them. Oh, yeah? I have to find a new partner. Have you talked to the second year students? I've auditioned a bunch of them. I'll do it. Are you kidding? I was just trying to help. Okay, wait, catch me. <gasps> now what? And you say that he can dance? He's adequate. Adequate? Bring tights. Tight. Wait, what? This was a treat to go back to. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and going, oh man, that's actually not a bad movie. Like, I enjoyed it more than, say, The Last Dance. I enjoyed it more than Center Stage and all those other dance movies about dance programs and schools and things like that. I, I really did enjoy it more because I felt like it brought something kind of cool to it, which was this, you know, uh, I, I don't even know how you describe Channing Tatum's dancing style. It's like the Save the Last Dance hip hop, but with a lot more turns and spins and stripper moves, I guess it's... That is his style, I suppose. I don't know. Like he 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 moves in a way that I don't understand anybody moving that way. And I, I can say without any sarcasm, Step Up feels like this generation's dirty dancing. There's a moment where the rich girl asks Channing Tatum's character, who he's mopping a floor, if he'll catch her. She jumps. It's ridiculously sexy. It's a very sexy moment in the film. I literally turned to my fiance and said that was sexy right and i rewound him like right and she was like oh yeah that's that's super hot so 100 percent, like it's a sexy stylish dance movie that i think um holds up really well today the music's fantastic and it, it was a fun thing to go back to but i really love the chemistry between jenna doing tatum now obviously they had chemistry i mean like they're together in real life it's one of the only films where I feel like he nails the relationship thing because he doesn't in a lot of these movies. A lot of these movies, finding chemistry, like The Vow, oh my God, I will like claw my eyes out before I watch The Vow again, trying to watch him and Rachel McAdams like try and build something from nothing. Needless to say, this movie is not on this list. Um, I, I think he has a hard time trying to find that chemistry. And it's so natural in Step Up that I, it was a joy. That, that simple. It was a joy to watch. Number four. If I told you there was a film about the Day of the Dead set in Mexico and Channing Tatum was a lead in that film, you might go, the hell are you talking about, Jay? I finished this film this morning and where to place it was difficult. The film is called The Book of Life, and it's an animated film. And the the animation is kind of like if Kubo and the Two Strings was done by Pixar. That is kind of what it looks like. It's a really unique looking film. And it goes down some weird roads because it is all about the Day of the Dead in Mexico. And he kind of what dreams may come this, this story. It's about two guys fighting over a girl. Basically, uh, La Muerta, who is the underworld of the the remembered. And I can't remember. Sebulba, because it sounded like Sebulba from, <laughs> from the Phantom Menace. That's why I remember. Sebulba. His character is kind of like Hades. He runs the realm of the forgotten. It's hard to explain what this film is actually about, but 
Joaquin is a macho, macho man. He does punch people in the face. So Joaquin is played by Channing Tatum. Manolo is played by Diego Luna. Maria is played by Zoe Saldana. Saldana? Saldana. I don't know. I got my my like Spanish-Mexican accent roaring through this. So I Saldana. Maria, Manolo, and Joaquin were all friends together as kids. But the boys always really like Maria. It's all about them. You know, they're, they're coming back to their village growing up. And I'm going to say without a doubt, this was my favorite character that Channing Tatum plays. Like, hands down, this is the role that Channing Tatum needs to always play. Like, he's so filled with, with pompous, arrogant, I am a hero that it's it's so funny. Like, there's listen to this. Why don't you tell me about some of your medals? <gasps> well, I got this one for delivering a baby with one hand while armresting a bear with the other. I got this one for saving some orphans from a fire and then going back in for their cribs and then going back in for their toys. And then I also saved a little puppy one time that had a little thorn in his ball. And this medal is for having the most medals. Well, wow. I'm speechless. Oh, yeah, right? I get that a lot. <laughs> Good night, Joaquin. Yes! He's like, Joaquin is awesome. Like, he thinks about himself in third person. I know that comes off as kind of like a Gaston douchebag, but he's not. He is a hero. He is a real life hero. I love this story. I can't believe I didn't see this movie until today. I want to watch it again. I really thought it was sweet. And it goes down roads that... Other traditional animated kids' movies do not go down. They don't talk about death in this kind of light. Um, also, Ice Cube plays the guy who keeps balance of the, all the worlds of life and death. And, uh, you know, Ice Cube, he's a pretty funny, he's a pretty funny voice actor. So if you haven't seen The Book of Life, it's definitely one to check out. I rented it, uh, I rented it today and watched it today, this morning. So... You're getting it like as as close to the date of this arriving as possible. I really did enjoy it. Number three. This next film was a Oscar darling. It didn't take Best Picture, but it was nominated for a whole bunch of stuff. And that was Foxcatcher. It's a true story about brothers who want to win gold for wrestling. And they get backed by Steve Carell's character who looks like... He looks like the penguin. Like, basically, he's got makeup on that makes him look really, really gross and weird. And Steve Carell's character really just wants to... He wants to win gold in everything that he can. So he builds this wrestling academy and he hires all the best wrestlers to win him as many goals as humanly possible. And it it's a dark film about what can go wrong in the pursuit of greatness. I appreciated watching a film that showed a sport as a business... And the way the way it works and that, yes, you get more money for more golds. And, uh, you know, this guy who's basically sponsoring all these people, he's doing it for himself. He wants to be like, I won this when really like all the work is going into Channing Tatum and his brother, who is actually played by Mark Ruffalo, um, who I mean, Mark Ruffalo transforms himself, his whole stature, his whole body into this role. Um, and Channing Tatum is really good in it as well. He's really, really damn fine acting coming from uh, Mr. Channing Tatum in this film. Mark, what's uh, what's he get out of all this? Mr. Dupont? Yeah. America, winning. 
You winning, we talked about you. Me winning. Okay, what are you, th what are you thinking about, Dave? This is it. This is everything that we've, that we've ever wanted. I'm trying to be as objective as possible with this film because I had a hard time. This was my second time watching and I had a hard time keeping my focus on it this time around because it's, it's dark and it plays to layers and I don't, I do well with that once and I usually don't go back to them. Um, but there is a lot to like in this film and I think overall it's a, it needs to be high on this list. It's, it's got a lot of good qualities to it. So I'm putting Foxcatcher at number three. If you disagree, I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me you you hated Foxcatcher or like it should be near the top of the list. Just let me know. You know, this is a discussion here. So I want to hear from you either on SoundCloud or you can always reach me at JesterJ on Twitter. Number two. Number two. I went back and forth with number two and number one a lot, a lot. Number two is going to the another Soderbergh film. It's Magic Mike. All right, we got to do something. Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. I just came off stage. An idea, man, an idea, an idea. Give me something. You go out then. Give me something, man. I'm not hitting the floor. Come on. You want me to come up with something? Yeah, man. I hope you can dance. You're still over. Come on. I watched Magic Mike, and then I watched Magic Mike XXL. Magic Mike is so good as an overall story. It's about a guy. He wants to build a furniture company and he's a stripper to make the money so that he can go and do this. That's like the whole story. He meets a girl in it. Also, the problems with this industry. And there are a lot of problems with this industry, like from being treated like meat, not being taken seriously. You have a lot of drugs in these uh, in this field because all it is is party, 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 party. And I think Soderbergh does an amazing job of, one, casting Tatum because you need somebody who can move and act and you get both in Magic Mike. You know, I'm... I'm trying not to say like how much I really appreciated him getting naked on stage and doing those things, but guys, he's an impressive mover. It's a good film overall. Like it's a good damn film. It's interesting from start to finish. You are engaged with these characters. You root for these characters. You're sad for these characters when they lose. And you know, you got Matthew McConaughey doing an amazing role. An amazing once-in-a-lifetime kind of role that is perfect for Matthew McConaughey. And this is also perfect for Channing Tatum. I don't know how Soderbergh just decided to do this one day. He cast it so perfectly. And if you're uh, one of my lady listeners and you only watch it for Magic Mike and the dancing and stuff like that, cool. Go back, watch it again, and try and watch it for the story because the story is actually awesome. Like, if you're one of these people who like 8 Mile or a, like a straight out of Compton or something like that. This is a gritty, like down on your luck kind of story that is way grittier than those two films that I just mentioned. Those films are dark. This film is darker and it, it's got a great payoff. So number two is Magic Mike. There's a great joke by Louis C.K. where he says, I know how it ends. It ends with me being gay, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm not gay. I am still straight, but I loved Magic Mike. I think this is an important film for guys to watch, for girls to watch, 
regardless of all the the nonsense that comes with male strippers and and the dancing and this what they made this for magic mike xxl is basically like okay you wanted just dancing so here's all the dancing and the story is shot it's a fun party movie but magic mike this is where the substance is this is where the story is this is where the darkness lives this is where you you get to meet all these characters for the first time um and everyone has something to say. And I think it's an important film. Um, I, as, as important as uh, a movie about strippers can be, I think it's that important. Number one. Okay, I think everybody, you guys are following along. I think you probably know what's going to happen here. Uh, we are at the number one spot. And I am lumping two movies together because the Jump Street movies are the best thing that ever happened to Channing Tatum. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like the world saw him differently after this movie and it saw him in this light that we had never seen him in before. And it was beautiful. And I'm so glad that everybody now gets to see how he is a comedic actor. He can play heartful um, and he can play a buddy cop kind of movie so well. And I, I'm going to play a clip because I think it's worth it and I think it's funny and there's some swearing in there, so if you want to take, if you're listening with kids and you want to take them out of the room, like there's some, there's some swearing. So I can just play this clip because I think it's hilarious. Real cops look like kids on Halloween. You want me to beat your dick off? You want to beat my dick off? I'll beat your dick off with both hands. Let's go. That's weird, man. Hey, mate. I think what he was trying to say was he's gonna punch you so many times around the genital area that your dick's just gonna fall off. You got the right to suck my dick. <laughs> like it's great. I. I oh man like i'm just so glad that these movies exist i like so many people thought these movies would be garbage would just be garbage and i was delighted with the first one and i i lumped them together because i think the second is just as good as the first the second they play so well with the whole sequel thing i it these are meta films that's all i can say they are very meta and I mean, this is what happens with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, these comedian directors who come in and just change what you think can be just stupid. I'm sure if these guys were at the helm of the Baywatch movie, we would have saw something great. We would have saw something different and great. This was good. It was, they were better than good. They're fantastic films. If you haven't seen them yet, run out and see them. I think they're worth it. And I don't want to tell you more than that. Like, yeah, it's it's about cops who go undercover at school and it's ridiculous. And they play on the fact that this is ridiculous. Like, what else do you need from me? It's an action comedy. If you like movies like Beverly Hills Cop and Lethal Weapon and all the buddy cop movies, you're going to love this movie. Just don't watch it with the kids because this is very R-rated movies. Look at the nerd. Who you calling the nerd, man? I'm sorry. What? what? Oh, oh, shit. What the hell? Are you serious? Turn that gay-ass music off. You punch me because I'm gay? No. That is really insensitive. I didn't punch him because he's gay. I punched him. And then he's happened to turn out to be gay afterwards. I was gay when you punched me. I am one more black gay kid getting punched in the face away from a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, In the sequel, I just want to say, like, I was watching the movie on my phone on the way to work and I was cracking up on the subway trying to hold that in when uh there's a scene where Ice Cube finds out something whole like oh my god and he loses his mind I was I couldn't keep it in I was laughing so hard on the subway um I must have looked crazy but I don't care because I do it for you I do it for you 
my my lovely listeners. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, people can look at me crazy all I want. It was such a great part of the film, and it was my first time watching the sequel, so it was just a joy. I've said that a lot. It was just a tremendous bananas feeling of awesome, and I'm so glad that I saw it. So that will round up the end of our Channing Tatum list. Did you agree with me? Disagree with me? I don't know. Let me know. Um, But I hope that that one listener who sent me a note really enjoyed this because uh, I had actually like a pretty good time going back and watching the whole catalog. So uh, yeah, so I hope you like this. So as you know, I can't record a movie unless I've seen a movie from this year to nominate into our top 12 to see if it gets in or not. And so for this episode, I watched a movie called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. So what is this movie about? I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore is an American crime drama about Ruth, a woman who is fed up with what she sees of people every day in her community. People are rude to everyone. She can't take that. She doesn't like it. So when someone breaks into her house and steals her grandmother's silver, she knows at least the police are going to help her. That does not happen, though. Did you call the authorities? Yeah. The world is bigger than your silverware. Grow up. Everyone is an asshole. And she feels really helpless and really angry until she finds a clue and decides to find and confront these bad guys uh, with the help of her weird, quirky neighbor, played by Elijah Wood. Uh, You know, they take on the mission of finding her stuff again. I really liked it. It was a really, really cool. uh, It reminded me a little bit of Fargo, but more so Blue Ruin, if you haven't seen that film from a couple of years ago. I felt like this kind of had that sort of feel like it's it's not hard to sit through, but it's dark and you have to be in a moody kind of place. So here are the things I liked. I thought Melanie Linsky, who plays Ruth and Elijah Wood, who plays Tony, were fantastic together. Like Tony and Ruth forever. I loved them together. It's not the first time we've seen this, but I love how frustrating everyday life is for Ruth because all she sees is the bad in people. Like, I like that. It actually has something to say. And her motivation is she just wants people not to be assholes to one another. That's a great motivation for any character storyline. Elijah Wood kind of just wants to be counted on for something. So um, he, he wants to, like, back her up just so that he can be recognized as somebody who backs people up. And I, guys, I love the ending. Again, I'm not going into any spoilers, but it has an insanely wild and energetic finish that like humps you full of adrenaline. If you at all were leaned back in your seat, when the ending comes a knocking, you are on the edge of that seat. It's zany. That's the only word for it. It It's zany. And this is Probably the part that reminded me of Fargo the most. So if you like Fargo, you might really like this. There are some things in this movie that I think will turn people off. It uh, it moves slower than your average crime drama. It's clearly a more independent production, and a lot of people don't dig that. Um, they're not used to it, and that's totally fair. But if you've enjoyed, like I said, Blue Ruin, which I absolutely did, or films like Drive... They move a little bit slower, but all the payoffs are really, really good. I think you're going to really enjoy this movie. I think you're going to have a good time sitting down. And if you're up to it and you think, wow, this Jay has sold me on this movie, it's a Netflix movie. So wherever you are, it should be available to you right now. But the almighty question, did I don't feel at home in this world anymore hit the top 12 of 2017? 
Yeah, it certainly did. This American crime finds its way all the way up the list, bumping, bumping, bumping to number three. Welcome to the party, pal! Which knocks Beauty and the Beast completely off the list. Hasta la vista, baby. So now we have a new number three of the year. That's crazy. That's a high number. Um, and I'm, I'm excited that it's there. I'm excited to rewatch it again. Uh, so if you are just joining us for the first time because you're like, wow, I saw the Channing Tatum thing and that really grabbed me. Uh, here is the list of where we are in the top 12 of 2017 at this point. I'll go real quick. At number 12, the Lego Batman movie. 11, The Fate of the Furious. 10, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. 9, Split. 8, John Wick, Chapter 2. 7, Dying Laughing. 6, The Girl with All the Gifts. 5, Get Out. 4, Kong Skull Island, which I actually just watched again, and it's still freaking great. If you want a, like an action movie with no characters and just like a lot of fun, this movie. Number three, I don't feel at home in the world anymore. Number two, Logan, and the number one movie is still Wonder Woman. So that is the year and how it is shaping up, and, uh, and yeah. So amazing that we got another one in our list. It's time in the show for Favors and Forgets. This is where I give you a flick I would recommend and one to just plain avoid, to skip. Now that it's on Netflix, I finally checked out Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. I don't think this is a very well-constructed film. I love Anna Kendrick. I love Zac Efron. I, I got recommended to watch this movie. There's not a lot going on here, guys. Like, it's a lot of just really bad jokes that set up to fail and... I don't think this is a movie worth anyone's time, to be completely honest. It's about two guys who always ruin family get-togethers when they get drunk and try to pick up girls. So the rule for their sister's wedding is to have dates. And so they put an ad on Craigslist and they find these wacky girls who are totally faking it to get a trip to Hawaii so they can go to the wedding. It, honestly... It's weird. I think the best part of the film is probably the sister who's getting married. I, I'd like to see more of her in a in a strange kind of way because the way the brothers idolize the sister in this movie is like, it's gross. It's gross. Like, that's a that's the best way to put it. It's it's gross. It makes no sense. Um Yeah, even thinking about it now, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Anyways. Skip Mike and Dave need wedding dates and move on to this worthy one that I also found on Netflix. It's kind of a short documentary. I think it's like an hour and 10 minutes, but it's called Finding Vivian Meyer. And I'd never heard of this film. It's from 2013. And it's about a woman whose work as a photographer is getting recognized today. But she died. She's no longer with us. And the art community's kind of blown up about it. And more and more you start to learn about the character who is Vivian Meyer. And it's a it's a it's an unwinding crazy mystery. I think you're gonna really have a good time. It's not a long film, and it's one that I had never heard of, so I'm just assuming you've never heard of, and it's on Netflix. It's a documentary that moves sort of like a gone baby gone or a gone girl. It sort of moves like gone girl, like 
The amount of twists in this documentary blew my brain, uh, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So Finding Vivian Meyer is one to favor this week. Top 12 Movies is produced by me, Jay Kennedy. All the music you've heard today is from bensound.com. The amazing production pieces for our countdown were made by the fantastic Chris Shapcott. You can connect with me anytime to let me know how I'm doing, or maybe you have a suggestion for a top 12 list, or maybe you have a suggestion on how to change the format. That's why this week our top 12 came before our uh, main review because a listener reached out and said, I'd really like to have the top 12 first. So I have the option to skip ahead if I haven't seen the movie. Great idea. There's never any spoilers in my in my cast, but that's a great idea. So uh, that's why for episode three, we did the, the larger top 12 list first before we did, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. So that's why we did that. You can reach out to me on Twitter at any time, or if you're a big movie geek like me, you probably got your own letterboxed account. On both, I'm at Jester J. And if email is more your thing, you can always reach out to me at top12j at gmail.com. I caved, and you can also find the show on Facebook and Instagram at top12movies. And as always, you can leave comments on SoundCloud. You know what? There's a lot of ways that you can get in touch with me. But if you want to help build the show, the best thing I can ask you to do is leave me a review on iTunes or share this podcast with somebody else. Say, hey, you know what? I get a lot of recommends from this guy. Sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't, but I get a lot of recommendations. You should listen to this podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends because that's how I really help grow the show and it's it's the best thing that can happen but if you don't have a friend to share with jump on itunes or wherever you get your podcast app and please leave me a review and say like this is the best show in the world or if you're like i hate this show and this show needs to die a horrible horrible death whatever put it on uh tell me and i'll try to work to make it not a horrible just tragic train wreck that would be amazing and all of this feedback really helps grow the show more than you ever could know so please and thank you from the bottom of my heart. So until our next episode, thank you for spending a little bit of time today with me and from me to you, keep the popcorn warm.